Welcome to Choice Classic Radio. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and help keep this show alive by donating at choiceclassicradio.com. For more of your favorite old-time radio shows, join us on our companion podcast, Choice Classic Radio Mystery, Suspense, Dramas, and Horrors, where we bring to you the most mysterious tales that the golden age of radio had to offer. And now, with over 167 episodes broadcast on NBC Radio from 1949 to 1953, we bring to you Dangerous Assignment. Dangerous Assignment, transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to show me that sometimes the best thing that can happen to a guy is to get caught in the middle of a riot. Morning, Commissioner. You sent for me? Steve, it looks like we're caught in the middle of another first-class frame-up. Oh, great. What and where is it this time? Last night, a band of Austrians slipped across the border into Hungary at a point some 30 miles southeast of Vienna. The attack guards are the strategic mine under lease to the Hungarian government. Go on, Commissioner. The attacking party went on a rampage of looting and burning. Six Hungarian guards were killed. Hmm, how do we fit in the picture? The attacking force, reported to have been 20 in number, left three of its members at the scene dead. So? The so-called dead Austrians have been identified as American soldiers. What? That's right. GIs attached to our forces in Vienna. The situation is tense, growing worse every minute. We're cooperating with the army in this matter, so when you get to Vienna, check with intelligence. All right. Obviously, we had nothing to do with this raid, Steve, but we've got to prove that and do it quickly. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. As Christmas draws near, the airwaves fill with beautiful holiday music. And on this station of the NBC radio network, you'll hear some of the greatest music ever composed played and sung for you by our nation's finest musicians. Our Monday Night of Music will continue to bring you the most enjoyable musical memories on such stellar programs as the Telephone Hour, the Voice of Firestone, and the Railroad Hour. Beginning this week and continuing until Christmas, NBC will present a series of Yuletide programs by choirs from all parts of the country. Saturday afternoons, the NBC Symphony Orchestra will bring you more great music. So, when you think of musical entertainment... Think of NBC and set your dial to this station. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Vienna, find out who rigged up the plot to implicate us in a border raid on a Hungarian mine, a free-for-all resulting in the deaths of half a dozen Hungarians and three American soldiers. 
It's early Wednesday evening when my plane sets down. Twenty minutes later, I'm in conference with Major Layton, United States Intelligence. Here are the service records of the three GIs, Steve. We're convinced they were kidnapped, murdered, then left at the scene of the skirmish. When were they first reported missing? They weren't. You see, they were out on a three-day pass due to report back to their company tomorrow. Excuse me. Yes? Good, good. Send them in, Corporal. Well, that's a relief. And it may be the break we've been waiting for, Steve. Oh? Sergeant Monaghan's turned up and alive. He went out on pass with the others yesterday. Sergeant Monaghan reporting, sir. At ease, Sergeant. This is Mr. Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell? Sergeant, you heard what happened. Uh, yes, sir. You've known Polson, Keller, and Whitlow a long time, haven't you? Since uh, Palermo. The four of you went out on pass yesterday, right? Yes, sir. Where? A place called Frankel's, regular hangout. I know the place, Steve. Then what, Sergeant? Well, I had a brew and left. At the last you saw of the others? Yes, sir. What plans did they have for the rest of the evening, do you know? Yeah, they were figuring on going over to a nightclub called the Blue Flame. They wanted me to come along, but I had a date. The Blue Flame, huh? Any special attraction? Yeah, I got a band to play some pretty good bop stuff and, uh... And what, well, Sergeant? Well, Pose knew a girl there. She's a singer. Polish, I think. Her name's Anna. Thought she was pretty great. Didn't you? She was, uh, playing him for a sucker, if you ask me. Her last name wouldn't be Cranko, would it, Sergeant? Something like that, sir. Couldn't be sure. Mean anything to you, Major? Yeah, if it's the same girl. Bad customer, Steve. Clipart is first class. Been mixed up in black market deals, too. I see. I think we better have a little chat with this Anna. A quarter of an hour later, the Major parks his car in a dimly lighted side street. I leave him sitting behind the wheel and walk into the Blue Flame nightclub alone. The joint is really jumping, and the cash customers are living it up but crazy. I spot her standing over by the bar, and I push my way through the crowd toward her. I open my wallet, take out the largest bill, and slide it across the bar. Oh, careful, my drink. Oh, I'm sorry, miss. I'm very sorry. It's quite all right. No harm done. Come here, me. Here, uh, let me buy you another. Yes, why not? Cognac, please. Uh <laughs> My money here seems to have become a little soggy. I'm certain the manager will not mind. Uh, bartender, two cognacs, please. You are an American, are you not? Yes, in town on business. A little pleasure, too. Never thought I'd run into a place like this, Bebop in Vienna. Oh, you are fond of this, Bebop? Well, back home they don't call me crazy for nothing. Oh, uh, my name's Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. I am Anna. I work here. Do you? Well, <laughs> what do you know? Say, maybe you can help me. I'm looking for a buddy of mine served in the army together during the war. Understand he drops in here quite often. A soldier? Yeah, his name is Polson, Dick Polson. Maybe you know him. Polson? No, I, I do not believe I know him. Now you must excuse me, please. I have to prepare for my next number. How about your drink? Oh, I will be back. You will wait, please. I'll wait, Anna. She disappears through a curtained doorway at the far end of the room. A few minutes later, she's back wearing a different evening gown. The lights go down, the band goes into its intro, and Anna begins to purr into the microphone. I slip through the doorway and down a long hall to her dressing room. I spend the next few minutes giving the place a fast frisk and come up with nothing except a snapshot of Anna and another girl, which I slip into my pocket for future reference. Then I hear someone coming down the hall. 
I ducked into a small closet. Here you are, my dear. You'll find the money in this envelope. Count it if you wish. It will not be necessary. Thank you, darling. Thank you, Anna. You'll be most helpful. Everything went according to plan, really? Perfectly. There are still a few matters to be attended to, however. You are going back tonight? To Bernaghi? Yes. A demonstration is planned. I must see to certain important details. However, I have a few moments to spare. May I buy you a drink, Anna? Yes, thank you. I have a drink waiting for me at the bar, baby. Oh? And an American. Oh? I think you will be interested in him. He came in looking for Sergeant Paulson. Paulson? Said he was an old friend. I see. Well, perhaps he's an old friend, Anna. Then again, he might not be. I think I'd best point this American out to me, Anna. Come along. I wait till I hear their footsteps fade down the hallway. Then I slip outside. There's a door at the far end of the corridor, and it's open. I ease out into the alley, circle around to the front of the cafe, and watch from the shadows. I don't have long to wait. The gent called Rudy comes out, steps into a long black limousine, gives his chauffeur the nod, the car roars away. I go down the block to where the major is waiting. What's up, Steve? I just had a peek at a payoff. And a Krenko? Yeah, for services rendered. It's got something to do with Sergeant Polson, that's for sure. I heard Rudy tell Anna he was going to a place called Bern... Bernaghi? Bernaghi? Well, that's a town just over the border in Hungary. It's only a few miles from the mine. He said something about a big demonstration. Sure, sure, it figures. The big build-up, beating of the drums, torchlight parade, the works. All very anti-United States, of course. Look, Major, I'd like to take in that little soiree across the border. Can you arrange it? Sure, I can put you in contact with someone. Meanwhile, what about Anna? Keep an eye on her so we can close in fast. We know she's the contact on this end of the line. I've got to nail the big boy at the other end. It's almost 10 o'clock when I wheel the major's car into a small hillside village overlooking the Austro-Hungarian border. A few minutes later, I pull up at a small shop and start massaging the front door with my knuckles. Please, my shop is closed. It is late. My name is Mitchell, Steve Mitchell. So? You're Gustav? So? Major Layton, get in touch with you. So? Come in, quickly. Herr Mitchell, this which you propose to do is suicide. The border is heavily patrolled since the affair at the mine. When can I start? The Major warned me it would be impossible to convince you. All right, we must leave at once. It will be best if we are not seen together in the village. Okay, where do we meet? You will walk down the street two blocks, turn left, and when you reach the railroad tracks, turn right... And follow the river until you reach a barn. Hmm? We will meet there. Ten minutes later, I pull up in the shadows of the barn. Look out over the river. Over there on the other side is Hungary. And just over the hill on my left is a red glow in the sky. That would be the town where the big demonstration is being staged. I glance at my watch then. I hear a twig snap behind me. I start to turn around, but I'm not fast enough. Something hard catches me on the side of the head. I pitch forward and fall face down into the weeds.
Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. Do you remember that old saying, a stitch in time saves nine? Well, unlike a lot of old proverbs, this one really works, whether you apply it to a chair with loose rungs or your health. Suppose you learn that a few dollars spent now could be that stitch in time that might save your health or the health of your family in the year to come. Sound like a good proposition? Well, here's how it's done. Just buy Christmas seals this Christmas. Yes, the money we spend for Christmas seals now goes for case finding, health education, medical research, and rehabilitation to help fight tuberculosis during the next year. Christmas seal money spent now helps protect us all from the number one killer among infectious diseases, TB. It's the stitch in time that saves human lives and health, prevents economic chaos and broken homes, which often follow in the wake of TB. Don't say it couldn't happen to you, it can. But you take out a little insurance against it, save lives and prevent misery, your own and your neighbor's, when you buy Christmas seals. Now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell. Let's stop. Hey, what am I doing in the river? We are almost across. Yeah. Yeah. I can touch bottom. I arrived in time to see two men shove you into the river. I waited until they had gone, then I came in after you. I helped you across. Thanks. One of them was wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Yeah, Rudy and his driver, probably. Where do we go from here, Gustav? Bernagi is but a few kilometers from here. Come. We climb this bank, cross the road which runs along the top, down the other side of the incline. Then we still stick to the fields and wooded places as we... Hold go... Left? What? Look up on the road over to your left. <gasps> a patrol? Yeah. Come on, we've got to get across that road. We make it the cover okay. We work our way through the weeds and underbrush to a nearby forest and shake the patrol off our trail. Twenty minutes later, we're on the outskirts of Bernagi. Gustav takes me to an underground station and we get dry clothes. Then we head for the square in the center of town. The demonstration is going full tilt. Gustav and I blend in with the milling crowd. There's a speaker's platform in the center, and on it sit six people, the wives of the dead mine guards. My eyes run along the row, and then suddenly I do a take. What is it? That woman on the end. Ah, attractive. Yeah. She takes good pictures, too. Look, this photo. Anna and that girl. Where did you get this? In Anna's dressing room. She and this babe must be pals. We've got ourselves another lead, Gustav. Uh, Look. She's leaving the platform. Yeah, quite an act she's putting on, the grief-stricken widow. Hey, the guy who's leading her away. Yes, he's wearing a chauffeur's uniform. Yeah, Rudy's driver. We work our way through the crowd after them. The driver takes the girl over to Rudy's car, parked at one corner of the square. Rudy's inside... We managed to ease close enough to hear him give an address to the driver. It's not far, so we leg it over there. 
The widow seems to have made a fast recovery from her sorrow. She and Rudy are drinking champagne. After a couple of minutes, he leaves and the chauffeur drives him away. I pull open the French windows and we go in. Who are you? Never mind. Right now, I want you to start talking about your friends, Rudy and Anna. I don't know what you're talking about. Save it. You're up to your ears in a very nasty frame-up and you'd better start spilling fast. Don't move any of you. Who are you? I will ask the questions. Your identification. Quickly. There you are, Buster. A United States agent. What? What were you expecting? Oh, please, I am sorry, Mr. Mitchell. Hey, what is this? Uh, I am Jan Tresena, brother of the dead man who was supposed to be married to this woman. Oh, he wasn't really, huh? No. And he also was not a guard at the mine. He was actually a prisoner from a Czech concentration camp. Keep talking. This is getting more interesting by the moment. And he was brought here to Banagi to work in the mine with some other prisoners. I followed, hoping to help them escape. I had a plan worked out, but the night before last, six of them were taken secretly from the mine. Sure. They were the six guys who were killed and later passed off as Hungarian guards. It's the oldest trick in the world. Hitler used it to create one of the incidents that touched off the last war. Right. It's beginning to add up fast. The dead Czech prisoners were passed off as Hungarian guards and the dead American soldiers as Austrian raiders. Nice little deal you're wrapped up in, sister. Please, I only did what I was told to. I did not know what was happening. You were hired to pose as a dead guard's wife? Yes. Who hired you? Rudy. He also hired my sister Anna to take one of the American soldiers to her place. But neither of us knew they would be killed. Please, you must believe me. Who is this Rudy? He operates the mine on a lease from the government. And he's the gent behind the deal, huh? Yes. Please get me across the border and I will be a witness. I think we can arrange that. Take her to the underground station and wait for me, Gustav. All right. Come. Jen, we'd be sitting pretty if we had any proof of all this, but without it, we've got nothing. I know. It beats me how those prisoners can be erased like that with no questions asked. Well, who is to ask the questions? The prisoners are very expendable. The records are sent back to the camp from which they came, simply marked deceased. That is the end of it. No questions asked. No one asks questions because everyone is afraid. Wait a minute. There are records? Records? Sure. If we could get our hands on them, we could bust this thing wide open. Those records must have fingerprints, photos, and the works. That would be proof that these dead guys weren't as advertised. Wait. You think the records could still be in the mine office? It's possible. Could be they'd hold them for a while until this thing blows over before they send them back. You said you had a plan worked out to get your brother out of the mine compound. Could we use it to get in? Uh, yes. Yes, I believe we could. You see, the shift changes at midnight. At that moment, two grenades were to demolish the south fence. The prisoners were to make a break for it. Yeah. During the confusion, we could probably sneak in, all right. There's just one hitch, so where do we get the grenades? <laughs> Will these do, Mr. Mitchell? <laughs> Nothing like being prepared, Jan. Yeah, they'll do fine. We climb the hills outside of town until we get to a spot overlooking the mine. There's a barbed wire fence, searchlights, guards, the works. In the center of the compound is a small office building. At midnight, the shift changes. Now, Mitchell. Jan uncorks both grenades and lobs them down beside the fence. It worked. 
They're holding the fence. Come on. The prisoners are milling around, fighting with the guards. We slip through the hole in the fence unnoticed and head for the office. Then a reception committee steps out from behind the door. Hold it. Both of you. Well, my old friend Rudy, judging from those records in your hand, you must have had the same idea we did. When I realized you were still alive, it occurred to me you might try to get the records of the six prisoners. I thought I had better remove them. You had six prisoners and three U.S. soldiers killed in cold blood to stage this little incident of yours. Oh, it did not start out as an incident. You see, my records here at the mine would not stand inspection. You mean you had your payroll padded? <laughs> Quite a bit, I'm afraid. I think I get it. You stage a raid which results in killing a few guards, and that clears up the padded payroll. And then it occurred to me, I had created something of greater value than I imagined. Sure, you manufacture an incident and sell it to your government. Got all the angles figured, huh, Rudy? Yes, including what I will do with you two. Oh? You are trespassers. Need I say more? No, I get the message. The window, get out! Get back, Mitchell! Let's throw the gun, let go! Thanks, Rudy. You took your eyes off me just long enough. And thanks for these records. They're enough to blow this frame sky high. You've heard my guards outside. It's mopping up. You will never leave this place alive. You're on, Rudy. Look out the window. Well, well, looks like the prisoners have the upper hand. They've overpowered the guards. What? I... Before any reinforcements arrive, Mitchell will have ample opportunity to get back to Gustav and across the border. Those prisoners out there, they're not trying to escape. They're just standing there, staring at the window. Could be they'd like to have a little talk with you about the six you killed, Rudy. No. No, Mitchell, you, you, you must protect me. Me? You kidding? I'm just a trespasser, remember? Well, then, then take me with you now, now. Okay. I'm going to the underground headquarters. I'm sure they'd be happy to see you. Underground? Yeah. Looks like you lose either way, Rudy. You tried to play both sides against each other, and you wound up right smack in the middle. Come on, Jan. Let's get out of here. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Thursday evening on NBC always brings you enjoyable radio entertainment by some of America's favorite performers. Robert Young stars as Jim Anderson in the family comedy entitled Father Knows Best. Roy Rogers and Dale Evans team up to present Western songs and adventure on The Roy Rogers Show. Eddie Cantor takes the top off his memory box and presents his show business show with stories and music to relive the many wonderful years he has spent entertaining young and old from coast to coast. And then, Judy Canova sends radio listening your way from Cactus Junction for 30 fun-filled minutes. And Ralph Edwards plays host to contestants from the studio audience on Truth or Consequences. So, for the very best listening each and every Thursday night, be sure to set your radio dial to this NBC station where you'll hear these pleasurable programs. Remember, Thursday brings the Roy Rogers Show, Father Knows Best, Truth or Consequences, Eddie Cantor's Show Business Show, and the Judy Canova Show over most NBC stations. Next week, turkey, a booby trap, and I'm the booby. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week.
Included in tonight's cast were Paul Duboff, Bob O'Connor, Vivi Janis, Paul Fries, and Jeannie Tatum. This is John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Always listen for the familiar three NBC chimes. They're your invitation to fine radio entertainment. Tomorrow, hear both Father Knows Best and Truth or Consequences on NBC. That concludes today's episode. We'd like to thank you and remind you to donate at choiceclassicradio.com. Remember, your donations make episodes like this possible.